Race is a hot topic in American culture today. We see divisions over the subject happening both within and without Christianity. But what does the Bible have to say about race? Welcome to the conversation. You're listening to Filter. Hey guys, welcome to Filter, a podcast where we seek to equip you to live with biblical clarity in our chaotic world. My name is Aaron Champ. I'm happy that you're listening today. Uh, race relations are strained in America right now. That's been one of the themes of 2020. We've seen uh, multiple events happening in our country and in the media that has uh, brought back to the forefront the, the divisions and the strains that there are uh, between different racial groups, but then also between various opinions on subjects around race and so on. And so it's been a big hot topic in our country right now. And unfortunately, these divisions don't just exist outside the, the church and the broader culture, but divisions over the topic exist within the church as well. There's a lot of debate over uh, various issues when it comes to race, race relations, reconciliation, and so on. And so what I wanted to do today is look at what does the Bible have to say about the topic of race? Because Paul told us in Romans chapter 12, that we should not be conformed to the image of this world, but that we should be instead transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so we want to renew our mind today and what the scriptures have to say about this topic. And so what we're looking at today is not necessarily all of the, um, all, everything related to uh, reconciliation or issues of justice, but today just on the topic of uh, race. What does the Bible have to say about this idea of uh, or the concept of race. That's what we're looking at today. And so let's begin with that. What does the Bible have to say about that? Whenever we look at the Bible to find the answer to this question, we start at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, it tells us the story of how God created everything in the heavens and earth. He formed the earth. He, uh, he created life. He brought forth every form of life that we see. And he also creates humanity. And according to scripture in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates one human race, and that human race is, uh, is first brought about in Adam. So what we learn just from reading the first few pages of Scripture is that according to Scripture, there is no such thing as races, or there is no such thing as different racial groups or different uh, races of people, but there is only one human race, and that this human race, are all the, uh, we are all the descendants of one person, Adam. So once again, biblically speaking, there's no cate different categories of humanity, you know, subdivisions, subcategories uh, of humanity that we call races. In fact, even more to this subject, whenever the Bible says that God created man and named him Adam, well, the, the name that we get Adam from is actually just a Hebrew word, Adam, uh, which means humankind. And so whenever God created uh, the first man, Adam, uh, he named him humankind, and all people who came after that man are all humankind. There are no different species. There are no different races among these uh, various groups of people. So that's the first thing that we learned, biblically speaking, and that never changes throughout Scripture. Uh, the Bible then, after that, never makes any different uh, qualifications saying that God created a different group or a different race of people other than the one that came from Adam. Another thing that we learned from Genesis 1 before we move on is that it says that uh, whenever God made man, he made man, he made the human race in his own image. 
It says that whenever God came to create a man, he said, let us make him in our own image and likeness. And now this means a lot of things. And uh, theologians have been talking about what it means for centuries now. It means a lot of things. But one of the things that it certainly means is that being made in the image of God is a spectacular blessing. And it is what makes people special. It is what makes people distinguishable from the rest of creation and especially from the creation of animals. It is what makes every single human being uh, valuable and filled with dignity. Because every single human being, despite what they look like or where they're from, is part of the single human race that God created and that he created in his image. And so once again, no matter what a person looks like in their skin tone, what nation they're from, what time period they lived in, what culture they belong to, regardless of all these things, Man, men and women, humanity is made in the image of God, and therefore we are all equally endowed with the specialness of that image being made and uh, with dignity and with uh, supreme, infinite value. And so everything that Genesis 1, everything that the Bible has to say about the creation of mankind and how there is no separate categories of races of people, that there is only one, Everything that we learn from Genesis 1 actually lines up with what modern science tells us. Because modern biology actually tells us that there is no such thing as different races of people as well. Instead, we are all nearly genetically alike. According to the Smithsonian Institute, the genetic differences among people all across the globe only account for about 0.1% of your genetic code. That's right. So between all of the uh, differences that you can see in yourself and another person of another ethnicity or a person from another uh, nation or another part of the globe, uh, whatever differences it looks like exist between you and that other person, you are in fact on a genetic level 99.99% the same. In fact, what the Smithsonian then went on to explain even more is that this, uh, this, this likeness and this sameness that we see in the genetic code among human beings uh, is something that is not seen anywhere even close in the, rest of the, uh, in the rest of the world, in any kind of animal species. And nothing is as similar as what we see in the, uh, the genetic similarities within humanity. Once again, it accounts for only 0.1% of our makeup. On top of this, uh, what we know from modern biology is that variations in skin tone account for differences uh, or, or come from differences in this substance in our skin called melatonin. And there are no uh, various colors of melatonin. So, you know, we, we sing the, uh, the children's song, Jesus loves the little children, red and yellow, black and white. Well, that song's not accurate, scientifically speaking, because there's no yellow melatonin and red melatonin and brown or black melatonin. There's only one melatonin. And for all the different colors, we say, of people that we see, uh, we, are all, we all have the same melatonin that is just being produced in our bodies at various levels. And so here's what that means. It means that the human race, because once again, what scripture and science tells us is that there's only one, what we see in the human race is a diversity not even of colors, but of shades of the same color. So once again, science today backs up what we see in scripture, that there's only one human race created by God from our, our common ancestor, Adam. So 
Whenever we come to the Bible and we're, we want to think biblically about the diversity that we see in among uh, human cultures and people around the globe, more biblical categories for thinking about these differences, about thinking about this diversity, instead of thinking in terms of race or races of people, is to instead think in terms of uh, ethnic groups, national groups, and cultural differences. These are much more biblical categories for us to be thinking of instead of in races. And so all of this has just been, all this so far, has just been a, uh, a meditation or reflection on what the first couple of pages of Scripture has to tell us. The Bible has even more things to say about uh, how all humanity is, uh, is one race created in the image of God and how God intends for whatever divisions and whatever strife is created between different ethnic and national groups, how God intends for all those strifes and differences to be done away with and to be unified through his own redemptive work. We don't have time to go into all the examples and stories that we could look at throughout scripture. Let me just give you a few more things that the, we see in scripture about uh, various ethnicities and how uh, people from various backgrounds are united in Christ. The first one that we see when we come, especially to the New Testament, is how at the end of Jesus's life and ministry and after his resurrection from the grave, the last thing that he tells his disciples is what we call the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. At the very end, Jesus tells his disciples that he wants them to go into all the world, or maybe it might say into all the nations and to teach people everything that he had taught them, baptizing them in his name, you know, so, so uh, preaching the gospel baptizing people, discipling them, planting churches. Paul, uh, Jesus told his disciples to do this all throughout the world. Whenever Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28 that he wanted them to go into all nations, the Greek word that uh, Matthew used for that is ethnos. And so we see that it was Jesus's desire that people of every ethnic group and background that people from every cultural background might hear the good news of his saving work and be brought into a relationship with him. That's one thing we see. Another thing that we see about God's desire for, um, for, for human diversity to be brought together in unity in his son is through Paul's writings. When we read the letters of Paul, we can see multiple instances where Paul is urging for unity among uh, Christian believers of various uh, ethnic backgrounds. We can see this, first of all, just in Paul's own story. In Acts chapter 13, whenever Paul is called to his very first missionary journey, he is called in a church that is very ethnically diverse. We can read about it in the first few verses of Acts chapter uh, 13. It talks about the church in Antioch, which was filled with a diversity of people from different cultures and backgrounds. And so it was out of that that Paul was sent to go into uh, the, the world to share the gospel. We see Paul emphasizing this in Galatians chapter 2, whenever he confronted Peter over Peter's own uh, propping up of divisions between Jew and Gentile, how he confronted him over that. We see him uh, writing about this in Colossians. We see him writing about this in Ephesians chapter 2, where he says that uh, the dividing wall of hostility that once stood between the Jew and the Gentile, between these different ethnicities and nationalities, how that dividing wall has been torn down in Jesus Christ. And so Paul repeatedly taught on the unity and peace between ethnicities that uh, comes through Christ, which is a desire of God. The last thing that we can say about 
uh, or at least for now, the last thing that we can say about the New Testament's vision for human diversity and how the gospel impacts that is with the New Testament's vision of what the uh, of what heaven will look like. Whenever we read the book of Revelation and John's visions of what heaven would look like, we read about this. We read there's a couple of times we can see this, but we read about a scene where there are people from all over the globe. People from cultures throughout history, people of all ethnicities and nationalities joined around the throne, uh, all wearing robes which are white, having been washed in the blood of the Lamb, praising and worshiping the Lamb and the Father. This is the picture of uh, uh, of what heaven will look like according to Scripture, a day when all nations and ethnicities will be worshiping together in unity before the throne. Because once again, Biblically speaking, there are no different types of people, right? The, the supposed differences between us are very superficial, uh, and they are only uh, something which adds to the beauty of God's creation. And so, let us just consider this. Why do we continue to think in terms of race? Why do we continue to think in terms of racial categories and so on? And if this is not an idea which came from Scripture, well, then where did this come from? Though there's always been examples of, uh, of what we would call racism and ethnic strife throughout human history, anywhere that you find two cultures coming into contact, there's going to be examples of ethnic strife happening. It's happened all the time. So even though this has always been around, um, you know, what we would call racism, the idea of race did not come about until actually pretty recently in terms of human history. Back in the 1600s, there was an academic, a traveler, named uh, Francois Bernier. He traveled all over the world, and Bernier ended up writing this article called A New Division of the Earth. He, uh, he traveled around Africa, Asia, India, across Eastern Europe, and as he traveled, he came into contact with all of these different cultures, with all of these different uh, nationalities and these ethnic groups, and he uh, saw, witnessed, you know, the great differences between their cultures and the European culture, which he had come from. He noticed the difference in appearance between the various ethnicities that he saw. And in his article, what he ended up doing was arguing that you could actually actually divide uh, humanity into different categories. And what he was arguing was not what I have argued, which is that all we see in the divisions are just you know, different ethnic groups where we are essentially the same with superficial differences. He was not saying that. He was saying by dividing humanity, we are not saying that they are just superficial differences, but that they are essential differences. What he argued was that humanity could be divided into four or five species or races of men, he said, in particular, whose difference is so remarkable that it may be properly made use of as the foundation for a new division of the earth. You see, once again, what he is arguing is that the differences that he saw in ethnicities from uh, from southern and northern Africa and, and India and Southeast Asia and West Eastern Europe and so on, that these different ethnic groups actually represented different races or species of people who had various different origins. And so what his writings did is they brought up this debate, which then... Um, led on for several more centuries, which you might even see traces of today, this debate between what is called uh, monogenesis 
and polygenesis. So in other words, monogenesis saying, does humanity come from one source or polygenesis? Does humanity have uh, various species coming from different sources of, uh, of, of origins and so on? And so the Christian account, as I already explained, is monogenetic. It is a monogenesis account. It says that we are diverse members of the same human race descended from a common ancestor, Adam. But what Bernier was arguing and others throughout history, such as David Hume and other scholars argued, was that uh, different ethnicities are due to various races, races of people, which are in fact distinct species. This is the root and the foundation for the idea of race and different races of people, which we still see traces of even until today, that races of people are not just uh, essentially the same with superficial differences in appearance, but instead are actually different species of people. The history of the concept goes very deep. We don't have time for it today. But the presupposition that ethnicity is actually an essential difference between humans is the assumption that lied behind everything from the Western world's practice of the slave trade, enslaving Africans, bringing them into the new world. It was the basis of American chattel slavery and how race became an actually institutionalized concept in the early American system to discriminate against Africans based on their skin color. It, this very same concept and this uh, polygenesis concept is the same thing that we saw in the writings which then inspired Adolf Hitler and the platform of the Nazi party to discriminate against Jews and various other ethnic minorities. It is the same thing. And so we need to ask, what is a better alternative? How can we move on from this, um, from this concept of race and from the, uh, the baggage of history that we see attached to it? What is the better option? Well, based upon what we learn from scripture, I want to give you the better option, but I want to describe it in terms of a middle path between two ditches that we need to make sure we don't fall into. The first ditch that we need to make sure we don't fall into is the ditch on the left, which we have seen come up in, uh, into new prominence, especially quite recently in our history, the ditch on the left of critical theory. And so critical theory is one vision. It is an alternative that is being um, put forward today as a way for us to move on and to heal from the racial divisions or the, uh, the racial sins and wrongs that we've seen perpetrated in the past. And what critical theory does is um, in trying to heal these differences, it actually ironically affirms one of the fundamental assumptions of polygenesis, which is that uh, the differences in humanity are not superficial, but essential, fundamental. Well, critical theory actually also says the same thing. It ironically says that the differences between ethnicities are not just superficial, but that they are something uh, essential and even moral. What critical theory claims is that ethnic grouping determines your status of either being an oppressor or of being an oppressed. I don't have the time to go into all uh, into a, a, a thorough response to critical theory in this episode, but just let us say that this is a ditch that we need to avoid because it is absolutely contradictory to the Christian worldview and the gospel. And so on the one hand, that's one ditch that we need to avoid, seeing um, uh, ethnic differences as something which is essential and determines your uh, moral 
status especially. But then there's also a ditch on the right which is called colorblindness. Now I bet that a lot of us grew up in, um, in, in a culture or environment where colorblindness was elevated as a virtue and as a good thing. And this was done on, it, with positive motivations. This was done for good reasons. There are people who, who can, you can fall into the ditch on the left or the right with positive motivations behind each one, okay? And so there, there's grace for that, but we still need to make sure we don't fall into them. And so even if you grew up in the, uh, in, in the idea of colorblindness, it was probably done for a good reason, but we need to avoid this idea because here's the thing. On the one hand, we should not make someone's ethnic grouping the core of their identity, but neither should we pretend like it doesn't exist? Because here's the thing. Yes, God created our common ancestor, which we have all uh, descended from in, in you know, various ways throughout history. But God created humanity in such a way that it would allow for, through, uh, through culture and time and geographical location, to bring about the beautiful diversity that we see among the human race. And so whenever we say something along the lines of colorblindness and that I don't see color, I don't see your color, if you're speaking to someone of a different ethnicity, what we are doing is we're denying a part of the beauty of God's creation. Even Paul, who went to, through such great lengths to talk about how there is now no difference or division between the Jew and Gentile, himself still saw the value and, and saw... Uh, and somewhat a part of his identity was still a part of his group, uh, of his people and ethnic group. Listen to what he said in Romans chapter 9. In Romans chapter 9, verses 2 through 4, Paul said, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are Israelites. Paul, even as a Christian and even in, in all of his um, urgings for there to be peace, unity among the different ethnic groups, we see here in his very highly emotive language, still very much sees himself and a fundamental part of his identity as an Israelite and as belonging to that people group. And so while on the one hand we should not say that ethnicity is everything and it is the core of a person's identity, neither should we go so far into the ditch on the right and saying that it is something that is completely incidental and doesn't matter at all because it points to a part of the beauty of the diversity of God's creation. And so let us seek once again to not be conformed to this world but renew our minds in what scripture has to say about the beautiful diversity of humanity. How we remember that every ethnic, national, and cultural group is made in the image of God and so we celebrate what is good, true, and beautiful in every single one of those groups. Moreover, let us remember that we should be pursuing gospel unity among ourselves in the church and the acknowledgement that any dividing walls that once stood between us and Jesus Christ have been torn down. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it after listening to it, make sure to check out our show notes for highlights and resources related to what we talked about today. Uh, also, if you enjoy this episode and you have enjoyed Filter, would you consider giving us a rating on this episode, giving us a rating on the show? Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to 
uh, podcast and would you share it with a friend, family member, or someone that you think would enjoy this. Once again, my name is Aaron Champ. Thank you so much for giving us your time and we hope to see you again soon.